Vegas. My voice is kind of sore, but I, I was I was going to podcast in Vegas, and every morning I woke up thinking, my voice is way too sore. I should say every afternoon I woke up saying, my voice is too sore to podcast. I can't do it. So now I'm back. I'm home. I'm good. I'm podcasting from Skype. And I got on the other line. I'm Fred Katz, by the way, in case this is your first time listening. You, you waited a whole year to listen to the Stan podcast, and you just had to hear. You just had to hear my thoughts on Davis Bertans. Uh, I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. On the Skype line. Had him on once before. Tried to get him on in Vegas, but we couldn't make it work. But now we're doing it now. Steve Jones, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Wow. That's that's really sweet of you to say. Hey, you know, that's what I do best. Uh, Steve, in case you missed the first time we podcast together, Steve is a uh, former coach. He was with the Nets, with the Grizzlies. Uh, what what else? What what else am I forgetting about your esteemed resume? That I'm an all-around great guy. Otherwise, you nailed it. All around, all around, uh, fabulous guy. You know, there's a, there's kind of a rule of journalism I was talking about with uh, with Brett Dawson, who covers the Thunder for us the other day. You never say someone is a good guy. You say they seem like a good guy, just in case, because you, you don't know what someone's doing in their spare time, right? Oh, so it's you cautious say, to protect yourself? Right. You say they seem like a good guy. Uh, we were talking about, because Tony Kornheiser said in his podcast, I always say... You seem like a good guy because, as he put it, he said, you know who I thought was a great guy? O.J. Simpson. So you never say they're a good guy. You just say they seem like a good guy or so-and-so thinks they're a good guy or whatever. So I'm just going to say you seem like an all-around great guy. That works for me. I'll take that as long as you don't you like, like him. The Compare problem me with, to O.J. Uh, <laughs> again. <laughs> the, problem, the problem with seems like is that when you say someone seems like a good guy – you sound like you're you sound like you're being snarky towards it. It 99% means you definitely don't think they are, but you're trying to be nice. Exactly. I, I know you don't, but I'm just saying don't do that to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But if you say someone seems like a bad guy, it doesn't have the adverse effect. Then it makes it it still seems like someone's a bad guy. So when you say seems like, you just always seem like you're insinuating that the person's a bad guy. Yes, unless you're saying something negative, then it looks like you're giving someone a warning. Like, hey, that seems like a bad trade. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But when it relates to character, it just always makes it seem like you're saying uh, someone's a bad guy. So so in that case, I will stick to that you seem like a good guy. But I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. It's messed up. <laughs> um, the reason I wanted to have you on was because you are – good at knowing about basketball. You seem like you're good at knowing about basketball. Hold on. No, you need to stick with the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about some of the, not necessarily just the guys the Wizards got. I haven't really podcasted about about the Bertons trade, which they brought over, which was a really nice trade for the Wizards. They just absorbed and ended up being a horrible one, by the way, for the Spurs because they got totally blindsided by Marcus Morris uh, backing out of his two-year $20 million deal with the Spurs so he could take a one-year $15 million deal with the Knicks and the Spurs then. The reason that they gave away Bertons in a sign-and-trade that brought them to Mari Carroll was so that they could clear up the mid-level exception to sign Marcus Morris to it, and then Marcus Morris backed out. Anyway, 
the Wizards ended up with Dallas Bertans out of this by only trading the rights to Aaron White, uh, who is playing over in Europe, and uh, you know we'll see if he ever comes over to the NBA, but very solid trade. One executive told me he thought it was the best trade the Wizards have made in years. Bertans is a pretty good player. Uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about Rui Hachimura in Summer League. We can talk about Troy Brown in Summer League. We can talk about Admiral Schofield in Summer League. Where where do you want to start? We can stick with the Bertans trade. Uh, I feel bad for San Antonio. They did a whole lot of work to just get in. Mm, I was kidding. That's uh, no fun. But I think for the Wizards to get Bertans, that's a good that's a good trade for them. Um, he's going to give them. I mean, they need talent. They need someone who can do things off the bench. I don't think he's someone who's going to get in the way of Hachimura's growth. Um, as far as he's a guy who can shoot the ball, um, you can pick a pop, play him in different positions from different spots on the court. So I think that's going to help them. I mean, they could have just not gotten anything, but they were able to absorb a player. So that's a thumbs up for me, um, especially when you consider they re-signed Bryant. So you can also play him and Bertens together. Um, I think that's a solid, solid deal for them, especially with where the Wizards are, where um, you know a lot of people are looking at their roster and saying, ah, it's not looking so great. Uh, they have some pieces to where they can start to put some things together, which is important to me. Yeah, and, and he'll, he'll play the four for them, and I bet you he starts because they don't want to start Hachimura right away. They, they want to... They don't want to throw him in the deep end right off the bat, which mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Uh, and so I bet you Bertans will start. And and one thing that is interesting is, like, he he's kind of a 3-4 in some ways. Like, the Spurs would have him guard some threes every once in a while. Like, he he's better guarding, like, it, it, a weird thing about him, which you wouldn't expect, is he might be better at guarding, like, a more slithery perimeter guy than he is at guarding like a conventional four, even though people think of him as a four. So it will be for like the serious nerds who want to see defensive matchups on a 25 win team. It will be interesting to see how they go with CJ miles versus uh, Doris Bertans and who those guys guard because miles can guard some fours and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they do that. Bertans is good. He's a great shooter good catch-and-shoot guy, uh, still only 26 years old. If the Wizards are really bad this year, they can flip him at the trade deadline and probably get something decent for the future back, you know, a second-round pick or something like that. If they want to hold on to him and they don't anticipate the market for him being crazy, they have his bird rights, they can re-sign him for a decent salary for whatever they want to pay him. It, it's a good it's a good trade. They got him essentially for, for nothing. Uh, I mean, I thought there was a chance they could have brought over Aaron White, but with the way that this year's roster was being composed, uh, they, they've got 13, 14 guys right now. That doesn't include the non-guarantees. I, I, my guess, and this is just a guess, my guess is that Jordan McRae is going to end up on the roster, even though he's he's partially guaranteed at the time. Only 200000 of his of his contract is, is guaranteed right now. But my guess is he's going to end up on the roster because uh, – they just they like him in the locker room. He's friends with everybody. They need somebody who can get a bucket somehow, who can just create some sort of scoring, uh, and he'll be able to do that. So the roster is pretty much filled. I don't think they were going to bring over Aaron White for this year. And uh, they basically got Bertans for nothing. They needed a four. 
it works. It's a good. It's a, it's a very good deal. Yeah, I'd, I'd 100% agree, and, and I think that's one of those moves you make. You know, it's interesting you spoke about not wanting to throw uh, Hachimura in the deep end. Uh, Bertens is the kind of guy you can start, and that allows you to bring uh, Hachimura on slowly. But it also, once he makes a step, it's an easy replacement if you do end up wanting to start him, if he develops or accelerates a little bit more than you think. So I think it's a good short-term move and also a long-term move as well. Let's let's talk Hachimura. Did you did you watch the Wizards summer league game last night? Yes. He was. Well, good I caught most. I caught most of it, and then the trade happened, and then my phone exploded. So I had to deal with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We'll accept no. it. Um, he was. He was. I mean, he was legit impressive. I know it's summer league. We're not going to overanalyze, but there were some things that were interesting. Like he, it was his. Thir- it was the Wizards' fourth summer league game. His third summer league game, and over the first two, he was playing with Troy Brown, and and Troy Brown was kind of p- pounding the air out of the ball. Him and Justin Robinson, a lot of pounding the air out of the ball, which is exactly what happens in summer league. When you play a big off the ball in summer league, they just, they never touch the ball. It never happens. So when you watch a big in summer league, it's like you want to just watch like their activity. You want to see if they're cutting and they're setting screens and they kind of show some awareness of knowing where to be. And he pretty much did that, which means there was nothing to really freak out about in either direction, right? It's like he doesn't... Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be concerned about. There was nothing to be, oh, my God, this guy looks amazing. In game three, he had a lot more freedom. He was he was handling the ball some more. He, he penetrated a few times. He had a couple nice moves in the mid-range. He, he dribbled into a pull-up three from the top of the key, which he had not done yet. What I thought was particularly interesting was the Wizards uh, have been working with him on not falling away on his jumper. They think he, he falls away and, is, and lacks a little bit of balance in that sense. You could tell that he is working on that because as he released that three from the top of the key, he stands there holding his position, not to show off, but very clearly be like, okay, got to hold it so I don't fall back. Like there are a lot, you can see this kind of stuff taking taking form already, uh, and it was just uh, I was intrigued. I was intrigued watching that game. Um, I thought that it was obviously a really good performance. Um, kind of just speaking to what you said, it's tough for a solid four man to really pop when it comes to summer league. You know, unless you're a straight pick and pop guy or you're super athletic, you sometimes can be glossed over. Um, I think this was a game where he was able to be more comfortable. He was more involved in different aspects of the offense. Obviously, he was spaced, but he was able to do some more things, handle the ball more, push in transition, get some cuts off the ball. And he just seemed like the more involved he got, the more comfortable he got. And once he got comfortable, he just kept building on it. And I think this is one of those deals where he kind of showed what he can be. You know, obviously, he's raw, but he's got, a, a, I think, a high ceiling as far as being able to build on what he has, um, being able to get to his mid-range pull-up. Um, I thought it was funny watching the game. The Hawks defenders went for a couple shot fakes on his threes, which, I mean, that's summer league. <laughs> so, But he was able to shot fake and drive, get to his pull-up, shot fake and drive, get to the basket. Um, the one thing I do like is he, he definitely plays with his own pace. It never feels like he's forcing the issue um, or sped up. I think that's important going forward. Um, you know, I think you mentioned the three-point shot. He took the pull-up to have the confidence. I, I like the one where he caught and shot it on the wing. 
Uh, I think he made that one, but just to have that confidence to add that to his game at this stage. You know, with Hachimura, it's just going to be about building blocks and building on what he has to offer right now. Um, so, yeah, I was I was impressed. Um, obviously, the points jump off the board, but I think he's one of those guys who has a lot of um, tools in his toolbox. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily pop off the page all the time because he's not speeding past everybody, uh, but he, he's definitely got some game. And he, he knows what he can do, and he, he tries to contribute as much as he can. What kind of player is he going to be? Like, what's what's his role in your mind? You're, you're Scott Brooks. What's his role this year? What are the expectations within that role? And then what's his role and the expectations within it three years from now? Well, I think it's uh, my biggest hope before I answer your question is that he gets minutes to grow. You know, he's going to need minutes to develop. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to have some patience with him. Um, but I, I would hope the initial goal is just for him to be able to contribute. Um, I guess the buzzwords contribute to winning. But doing those little things he does well, playing defense, um, being able to execute offensively, um, being able to space the floor, guard multiple positions, he's got to start with that base. And then once that goes, it, it starts to build on that. You know, you add your shot, add your playmaking ability. Um, his versatility is going to have to pop at first. You know, he's going to have to defend. He's going to have to be able to not be a liability offensively. Um, he's going to have to be able to defend multiple positions. And once he can do that and he adds the shot and then he continues to get more comfortable, I think you can build from that. Um, the expectations, that's going to be a tough one. Um, so if you're talking about expectations from that kind of draft pick, um, you're generally expecting a, a very solid contribution, uh, big minutes, some numbers. I'm not sure if Hachimura is going to deliver that this year, um, but it is going to be a good year for him to develop if he gets the playing time. Yeah, he needs the playing time. Last year, they were very slow with putting out Troy Brown. He really didn't get consistent minutes till like around March 1st, something around there. Mm-hmm. And that was way too long. I, I get in the beginning of the year you're trying to win, that kind of stuff. Once it was clear they were not going to win, they were 2-9 and nine or whatever the heck it was. Once it's clear, like it, there was no point where it was like, oh, now they're starting to win. That was never a thing. They never came close. Once it becomes clear you're not going to win, you give some time to your young guys. And when Troy Brown started playing, he was at the very, very least – I mean, look, he wasn't like a great NBA player, but he was at the very least ready to play. There were learning moments. There were development moments. There were those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think giving him minutes is going to be an important thing, even if it's just like 16 to 18 minutes to start off and then you build from there. Just getting him a consistent workload is is going to be important. I think that'll happen for him. Like I, don't, I think the Wizards know what they are this year. There are no delusions of going for the eighth seed. Uh, you know, maybe if, if we ask Scott Brooks on media day, what do you think you guys can do? Scott's going to say the goal is to compete. They're going to compete. They're going to come out and try to win and all that stuff, which is what any coach in the world would say, regardless of an organization's position in the standings. But, like, this roster is probably going to be bottom five in the league. Uh, and, and defensively, it's like there's a chance. The Cavs broke the record last year for worst defensive efficiency ever. And with the way that offense is growing and the Wizards just lost, they had half a season of Otto Porter last year. They had more than half a season of Trevor Ariza. 
they they lost uh, Thomas Sadoransky, who they had for the full year. They replaced him with like Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas. And this 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 team could be worse than the Cavs defense. Uh, it, it could fall. So like they're not going to win games. So put Hachimura out there. You know, put they haven't signed Admiral Schofield yet, but put Admiral Schofield out there. Uh, put these put these guys out there and see see what happens. You know, sixteen minutes, eighteen minutes. Just let them let them develop, let them make mistakes, let them learn from their mistakes, let them learn the speed of the game. And okay, if if I try this move in the NBA, NBA players are too good. They're going to defend it this way. I have to figure out another way of how to make this effective and go through that with every single thing they do, because that's what rookie years and second years are for. And uh, it's certainly what they're for on teams that could lose 50 plus games. So, yeah, I'm with you. They got they got to play them. They got to play those guys. Um, and and I'm intrigued. I'm I'm very very interested in his jump shot. Something I'm writing for next week, and I'll give a little bit of it away now. Is that like? Oh, sneak peek. Yeah, sneak peek. There we go. He he never really took very many threes in college, and it was just because of how they used him. There are problems fundamentally with his jump shot. It's it's very flat. He doesn't have very much arc on his jump shot. So he might struggle with touch in the beginning, and that's something they're working on. He falls away a little bit. He he runs away during his jump shot, which can make him uh, you know uh, make him rush his his jumper a little bit at times. But all that being said, you know what he shot on pull up pull up jumpers in college last year? Fifty three percent. Forty nine percent. I was close. It's really freaking good. Uh, that's that is courtesy, by the way, of uh, my buddy Michele Barra's company, uh, Chartside, which tracks this stuff. And, oh, uh, look at you with sourcing and a plug. Well damn done. Straight, damn straight. So I'm going to be writing something about the evolution of his jump shot and how, like, look, if a dude shoots forty nine percent on pull up jumpers, like, chances are he's going to be able to shoot catch and shoot threes. Like if you can if you can shoot forty nine percent off the dribble from eighteen, you can shoot thirty five from on catch and shoot from twenty three. Like that that that's just got to be true, right? Like that that's a I feel like that's a good theory. It's not bad. It's not a bad theory. Um, it, it's just going to be about his confidence in taking the shots. To be honest, um, the the last thing he can be is not confident about taking that one. I think. Eventually, it'll transfer over. We've seen players go from college not being able to shoot and improving that jump shot as they progress in the league. Um, I'm not making a comparison here, but Kawhi Leonard in college was a much different shooter than Kawhi Leonard in the pros. So there is evidence that you can improve that jump shot. Um, It's just going to be on him to have that mindset mentality to, to take it when he's out there. Because the worst thing you can do is is not just be someone who the defense can help off of, someone the defense can help off of, knowing you're not going to take that shot and make them pay. So that's just going to be a very interesting part of his development going forward. What do you think of Schofield? I think he's an animal. I like him. I like his game. I'm surprised he didn't go a little bit earlier. But I, I like the way he battles and attacks you know, on both ends of the floor. It's clear that he wants it. You know, his he has the type of game that generally gets some cliches attached to it. Attached to it, um, but I do like the way that on the floor he has that activity and energy, and you can see the potential that he can bring to you on both ends of the floor. You know, everyone's looking for that three and D guy. 
Uh, I think he has really good defensive instincts uh, as far as being able to know when to rotate, when to help on the weak side, when to recover. Um, that's one of those things not everyone generally has at the beginning. So I think, you know, obviously the Wizards got some guys who did some winning in college, um, has some versatility, a little bit experienced. I think that's going to help them going forward. And I think hopefully he'll be able to carve himself into a role because of what he can bring to the table um, uh, on both ends of the floor. This is – he's not very flexible. Like he uh, he he has this weird defensive posture where he kind of looks like he's standing up but also looks like he's hunching over. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Does that concern you at all as a as, – because I know that's a thing that scouts will talk about. Does that, does that concern you at all with him? Because if he's going to be good – it's going to be as like you're going to want him to at least be able to guard multiple positions, right? Yeah. So, so does that concern you at all in him being able to potentially do that? No. It doesn't concern me in the sense that he's shown enough mobility, um, especially when he's off the ball, to be able to make the rotations. Now, if it's something that's getting in the way mechanically or he's just getting beat, then yeah, it's a different discussion. But from what I've seen, I think that's something you can overcome um, just by what he's shown effort-wise. Um, it's not one of those things where he's completely standing up straight on the weak side. And I think it's one of those things where if that's how he does it and he can be mobile and he can close out and not get beat, then so be it. Um, and I think he's shown that so far in some league for flashes. I want to talk to Troy Brown real quick. Before we wrap up, uh, you're already done with me. I just got on. I just got in my bag. I know. I thought you seemed. I thought you seemed like a good analyst, and then after 20 minutes, I was like, mm. oh, okay. I really, I really seemed like a good analyst. That's you, right. Okay. You seem. You seemed like one. Seemed like I knew what I'm talking about. All right. It it, it seems like it. It seems like we're <laughs> wrapping up. Uh, um, no, I, I want to talk Troy Brown. Troy. Troy Brown is intriguing me also because Troy Brown has basically played point guard for all the time. I mean, he, he's missed the last couple because he's had a minor injury, and obviously if someone has a minor injury, you're not going to roll him out there during summer league. But in, in the two summer league games, two infractions, summer league games he played, he was really just playing point guard, and they were really just using him there, which I think is is great. And, and a great – I don't know if he is a point guard, but it's great for summer league. Let him develop there. Let him run as much pick and roll as possible, which is really what he's doing. Let him figure out how to operate. Let him figure out how to run an offense and, 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 and you know, do all of these things that you want his mind to be able to develop because he's a, he's a very smart kid. And so you, you just – you want him to be able to process all of this and get as much – as many reps in as he possibly can. And, and one of the things I think is really interesting, and this is something I'm going to write for Monday also – you don't even need to read my stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Read my stuff until I make my Another money. sneak peek. <laughs> you need like an air horn when you do that. Well, this will just be like a little bullet. I'm doing like a summer league observations thing. And oh. uh, I'll have a little bullet in this. So so Troy Brown last year, every once in a while, the Wizards would play him at, at point guard or at least have him initiate some offense. And let's say he would have a pick and roll. Thomas Bryant would come up to set a screen. Yam Mahimi come up to set a screen, whatever. And Troy would know he was running a pick and roll and be like, all right. You know, the, the defender would, would come up on him a little bit to get in his face. 
And Troy would be like, all right, my defender's coming into me. I'm running a pick and roll. Guess I have to go right now, which is a thing that a lot of rookies do, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, time to run a pick and roll. I guess what I have to do is run a pick and roll. But that's not really the case. What you want to do is make sure you get your timing right, right? You want to be paid. Like pick and roll is not about knowing you're going to run a pick and roll and then going. It's about patience and it's about prodding. And what Troy was doing in summer league, now granted, he is going up against defenses that have practiced together for like three days. He is going up against uh, you know non non NBA players for the most part, and the NBA players he's going up against are not as good as the NBA players that he'll be going up against when he's actually playing NBA games. All that is true, and it is easier to run a pick and roll in summer league than it is to run a pick and roll in the middle of a January game against the Bucks. But all that being said. Troy Brown would know he was going to run a pick and roll, like a high pick and roll at the top of the key. And, uh, you know, uh, Hachimura would come up to set a screen. And Troy, if a defender got into him, will take a dribble back and just patiently wait. Hachimura is going to come up and he figures out, okay, is Hachimura going to slip? Is he going to screen right, left? Is he going to back screen him? How are we going to do this? And he's going around, he's brushing hips with his screener to get his man off of him. He's so much more patient. Uh, it, it's just very encouraging to see that because that is not a thing that he was really doing last year because he was a 19-year-old rookie. And mm-hmm. the fact that he seems to be starting to understand that, it's not going to be as easy to execute that in the NBA. But it, the fact that he's understanding that I think is <sighs> just massive for his development. I would agree. Now, to unpack a little bit of what you said, you tapped right into my biggest pet peeve with Summer League, which is guards not making the right reads in pick and roll. So you talked about rookies and and the growing pains in pick and roll, but if you watch Summer League, you're going to see a lot of guards missing the play in pick and roll, trying to reject and score, or they try and skip it to the corner. It's not there, or they miss a roll, man. Anyways, um, to move and segue to that, when you have a player like Tro- Troy Brown and, and you got a roster guy, there's a couple different ways you can try and highlight them. And you can obviously just try and give them a great role, highlight them what they do well, and, and, and try and give them a boost of confidence. You can also push them outside of their limits, outside of their comfort zone, and try and see what they have. Give them a bigger role. Uh, I think the Wizards have done that with Troy Brown as far as giving him more of a playmaking role, letting him run more of the one and initiate some offense and pick and roll. You want to see exactly how they're going to respond to that. And I think Troy Brown starting to do the little things to be more patient coming off pick and roll is huge, as you stated. Um, A lot of times when you see it, guys aren't waiting on screens. They're not taking what the defense is giving them in the sense that you don't have to force a play in pick and roll. Sometimes the best play is to come off and see what they do and play out of that. So to your point, when he's starting to hold the ball, have patience, take a dribble back, and accept what the defense is giving him, that's a really good step forward. And that's what you want to see from your roster, guys, is, hey, progress. So now you can, and this is hypothetical, but okay, he did this in summer league. Now let's see if he can do it when he comes in for camp, see if we can put him in more pick and roll. Now that expands what you can do, that expands your role. So it kind of builds up in that way um, because – you know, the, the toughest thing 
sometimes for roster guys in summer league is you get obsessed with the numbers. Now, we haven't seen as many guys play this year. That's the secret of summer league this year. Anyways, um, you, it's not just about the stats. It's about building your game and being able to take something out of this opportunity and grow from it. And I think that's one of those things that Troy Brown's done a pretty good job of here going um, so far. You know, Unfortunately, the injury happened, but I think um, – you, you get, you've gotten what you want to get out of him. He hasn't looked out of place. He's been able to show some flashes, and there may be some more growth. There may be some more tools there that you can build on going forward. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a full time point guard. Uh, no, no, no. I think, I think he's more of kind of a, a two who you can have secondary. You know, you can run your secondary offense front through him and. And and if he ends up being like a really good six man or something like that, like he can he can play a number of different positions there. But like there's that adage, you are who you guard. And I just he's not gonna guard ones. Like I just don't see him. Like maybe you can switch him onto certain ones, but like I just don't see him full time guarding ones. I think he'll oh, no. get out quicked real real quickly. Um But the fact that he's like doing this now is like a nice like what kind of facilitator? Do you think he ends up being? Um, it's going to depend on the growth of his game. Uh, I know he had a couple times where he was able to hit the pocket inside pick and roll. I think he got with the floater one time. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily Troy Brown being turned into a point guard. It's more Troy Brown being t- turned into a playmaker. Yeah. So he doesn't have to run. He doesn't have to run the one. Uh, it's just can he do it? So now when he comes into the game, can I put him in more positions just than just being off the ball, than just being a shooter, than running off screens? So now when you run an action with your one or Beal, whoever he's in, he's in the game with, if the ball comes back to him, you can go to a pick and roll or you can drop pick and roll for him. That just adds to what you can run offensively. And I think that's that probably is more the concept for him to get him into that position so they can do more with him offensively, if that makes sense. Because um, I, I don't think he's going to be a, a one, especially with the additions of Ish and IT. But if he can show that playmaking ability, um, that's only going to be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a solid player. He's he's really high. If he can just if he can become like thirty seven percent on catch and shoots from three. And and that sounds like a really high percentage, but that's like about league average on a guy who actually takes threes on, on a catch and shoot three. If we can just do that, thirty six, thirty seven percent on catch and shoots, and like kind of every once in a while take them off the dribble when necessary and make thirty two percent of them, that, that's a good player. Like that's a really really useful role player. I think he's going to learn how to defend and, and learn how to do some other things. Like I, I think the wizard should be. In, he's still somehow 19 years old. He's been 19 for like three years. <laughs> like, like it's in, he's still the youngest player on the Wizards. That's crazy. Now that's crazy considering they just had the draft. But yeah, um, I, I think it's a base for Troy Brown. Um, it, it's a growth year. He can improve that jump shot, improve his defense as far as knowing the schemes, knowing the rotations, to stay more solid, having better instincts, um, add a little bit of playmaking. Now you've seen a growth and you've got a better player. Um, so I think there's a great opportunity for him to continue to grow, especially with this team, um, with how they're currently constructed. Seems like a good opportunity. See what I did there? Ha-ha. Uh, any, anything else 
Anything else before we go? I really thought I was here to talk about Jeff Withy, so I'm super disappointed. But <laughs> Yo, Jeff Withy, Jeff Withy took a trailer three from the top of the key in the first in the first summer league game, and I lost my marbles. I went <laughs> crazy. I was I I turned to Zach Rosen, who does social media for the Wizards, and I turned to him, and immediately, like I couldn't control myself. I turned to him and went. Holy shit, Jeff Withy is taking threes! And I just <laughs> lost it. I had no idea. I completely lost my mind. It was insane. I actually no. approached Jeff Withy at practice the next day and was like, when did you... I don't know Jeff Withy. I do now. <laughs> I was like, when did you start taking threes? Did he actually answer your question? Yeah, he did. He seems like a super nice guy. Oh, nice. That's yeah. good. good. Seems like Jeff Withy. Seems like a super uh, nice guy. Uh, uh, no, I don't you know. Take that. I just, him, I just met him once. I don't know. He might be a murderer. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> what do you? Uh, you never gave me your admiral take. I, I never got your opinion on him. I was uh, curious. I'm TBD. Ooh. I'm TBD. Ooh. Um, I, I mean, you you know more about this than I do, but the flexibility thing uh, makes me. I just don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's that quick. Mm. And and I just I wonder how he's gonna work defensively. He's obviously really strong. Uh, like if he's gonna be good, he probably has to be like PJ Tucker, right? But but is he as quick as PJ Tucker? <laughs> it's 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 gonna be is he as smart? Am I, as am I st- yeah, they, that's smart too. Yeah, am I am I stereotyping him because of his body type? Probably, but we're gonna move past it. Um, no, I th- I think he is trapped a little bit by being someone who likely would probably be best at four, but not ever going to be able to play that position. So he's going to have to find a niche before he can get there. And the concern is he has to do X, Y, Z to be able to be effective. So whether it's he's got to find a niche, basically, whether it's being able to make shots being able to make plays, being able to defend. He's not going to have a lot of wiggle room in either, any of those areas. You know, if he's getting beat off closeouts, it's going to hurt him more than anyone else. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. that's supposed to be his thing. If he's on the court and he misses open three, that's going to hurt him more than anything else because you got to find a way to stay on the floor. So he's a competitor, and I like what he brings to the table, but he's going to have to find that one thing that helps him pop a little bit and that will help elevate him in that sense. Because, um, you know, if he's a guy who has potential but is not driving by anybody, he's getting beat on defense, not making shots, all of a sudden you start looking and asking, well, what's he really doing for us right now? And that's a kiss of death for any coach to ask that question. Does <laughs> that mean? It seems like you're not doing much. Seems like it. <laughs> nailed it. I nailed the dismount. Come on. Perfect. Killed it. Killed it. Uh any anything to to plug? People should follow you on Twitter. You're you're a great follow for basketball nerds. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Steve Jones twenty. I'll plug myself. Um, no, I don't have anything else. It was good to see you though, man. It was good great to see you, you in Vegas. You're dancing away, buddy. <laughs> oh, I spilled the beans. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll. Uh, 
sorry I didn't record a podcast for uh, for about a week or so uh, <laughs> with the Vegas schedule. But uh, I'll be back next week. Got another guest next week. I'll be back next week talking Wizards and, and whatever else. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, give us five stars. Go on iTunes. Leave a rating. The ratings are always like, like they help a lot more than one would imagine. Uh, like I said, I'll be back next week. I'll be talking Wizards and whatever else they might do and whatever's in the news. I imagine they're pretty much done. Now, we're still waiting on them to hire a damn GM. Uh, my, my educated guess my informed guess is that's going to end up being Tommy Shepard for this year, considering he has done everything else. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, until uh, if there's a crazy thing that happens with the GM, then I'll obviously do an emergency podcast and we'll chat about it. And if not, I'll be back next week anyway. I'll talk to you guys then.